Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. For helping us praise the Lord together. My name is Evan. I'm the senior pastor here, and welcome. We're so glad that we can be together, can worship together. And I want to read from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. I want you to think about a time where you saw the most incredible view that you can imagine. Okay, so I want you to think, go back, when was the best view you've ever seen? Maybe it was on top of a mountain, right? I don't know, maybe it was at some park. I don't know, maybe, maybe if you're sitting next to your spouse, you might say, it was our wedding day, right? That's, that's free, you can use that. Um, use that, go ahead, okay, good job, yep. Uh, when was the best view you've ever seen? I was trying to think of the best view I've ever seen, and I couldn't come up with one, so I bought three examples of my three favorite views that I think I've ever seen. Uh, The first was at Zion National Park. Brittany and I were at Zion National Park, and we saw this view, and it was just kind of like, whoa, right? Uh, Another one, we were hiking in the Smoky Mountains, and it was this eight-mile hike that Brittany tricked me into going on, and we got to this point. This is a point called Charlie's Bunyan. Which, why they named it that, I don't want to know the story behind that. But here's Charlie's Bunyan in the Smoky Mountains overlooking this incredible point on the Appalachian Trail. And then uh, growing up, my, my dad was in the Army. We lived all over the world. So there's this view in Bavaria overlooking this castle. Uh, and, and I know, right? <laughs> my dad actually, when my parents were dating, took my mom to this view, and that's where he proposed. And then, as he got to know who would become my wife, Brittany, he was like, oh, by the way, here's where I proposed. Yeah, how am I ever (laughs) going to live up to this, right? Thanks, Dad. Thank you. Uh, But yeah, look at that view. There's the castle and the mountains and the water and the village. It's just unreal. We think about these views. We imagine these places. We might see, man, I want to be there. I want to see that. We may echo what Tina Fey's character in 30 Rock often said, I want to go to there. (laughs) Today, we continue this series about the four Gospels. We're on our final Gospel, John, and each Gospel we found give us this unique view, this unique perspective, the person of Jesus, his life, his teaching, his death, his resurrection. Each one comes with unique flavor and theological emphasis. And today we get to John. We've been talking about the different Gospels and comparing them to maybe movie genres so far. That doesn't really work with John. I couldn't figure out one. Instead, I think John is most like this breathtaking view. One scholar says John takes us up the mountain and says quietly, Look, from here on a clear day, 
you can see forever. This is the Gospel of John, this vision of seeing beauty and the truth of who God is so clearly, seeing forever. John is unique. All of them are unique. John is the uniquest. John might be my favorite. It depends on when you ask me. I love the Gospel of John. It's often considered the most theological. Uh, Historically, it's been symbolized by an eagle. That's that bottom picture there, an eagle, because of this lofty vision of God we get through John. It was said, believed, that eagles could look directly at the sun, and so they chose the eagle to symbolize John, that it's looking at the glory of God shining through the person of Jesus. John was uh, likely the last gospel written, uh, probably around 90 to 100, uh, and likely it was written by an eyewitness, someone who knew and walked with Jesus. Tradition tells us that John was written by a disciple named John, perhaps even the disciple that shows up in the Gospel of John, again and again named the beloved disciple. Some have thought that might be the named disciple John, son of Zebedee, or it might be another disciple that's unnamed, other than beloved disciple, that's also called John. It was a very common name then, like it is now. Historically, sometimes John has been depicted as a young man without a beard because of his youth, and it may have been his youth that allowed him to be at the foot of the cross of Jesus without inviting threats or retaliation from the Roman guards. Also, being a young man would have allowed him to then write this eyewitness account so much later. Something like 60 or so years after Jesus' death and resurrection likely is when John was written as John was an old man. An early church leader and writer named Ignatius was the student of an early church martyr named Polycarp, and Polycarp said that he learned directly from John, who was with Jesus and wrote this account. So that gives us good reason to think this gospel was recorded by an eyewitness. And I think that also helps us understand what the point of the gospel of John is. In the same way that we may have seen a breathtaking view and want to share it with everybody we know, To me, as we read the Gospel of John, we see this emphasis again and again. Let me show you how beautiful this is. To early Christians who may have been discouraged or confused, frustrated or tired. Many who were expecting Jesus to come back right away, and yet now it's been, what, 60 years? Do we keep going? (laughs) Who is this Jesus and is this Jesus worth following? John says, oh, let me show you. And so this gospel shows us an incredible language and depth. How Jesus is God. And Jesus is also like us. John says, you got to see it. And so I want us to begin In John 1, uh, perhaps the most famous part of John's gospel, those early verses, as we ask that question that likely John was hoping 
his readers might ask, why should we follow Jesus? And I believe he will show us several reasons why. They're on the cover of your bulletin, actually. Thank you, Donna, for being so on point with our bulletin today. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We won't do them in that order, but we'll do all three of them. Why follow Jesus? He's the truth. This is John 1. 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2 says, He was in the beginning with God. John here, talking about Jesus, calls Him the Word. What does that mean? <laughs> the word, word, has some implications in the ancient world, just like lots of words have for us today. We hear the word truth, and maybe that has all kinds of implications. What do you mean when you say truth? Word was like that. This word, word, or logos, was a, a common theme in religious and philosophical writing in the ancient world. It was used to describe some kind of creative essence or idea in Judaism, it was this thought of God's creative action, God's creative character. It was God's very wisdom at work in the world. The Word is God's own self-expression. And God, John says that God expresses God's self through this Word. And that Word always was and is and very much is God. And that word is Jesus. John wants us to take in all that we will see in the Gospel of John and see that God is showing us what God is like. Jesus is. Jesus was. Jesus will be God. So when we hear this idea of in the beginning was the word, it's important to know what John is talking about. Because we hear word, and we say, well, well, we say Jesus is the word, and we say the Bible is the word. <laughs> and sometimes people say, oh, I've received a word. I don't know if you've ever been in a church where somebody's received a word. What does that mean? <laughs> is it Jesus, or is it the Bible, or is it something that happens inspired by the Spirit in a communication what is the word yeah so I brought a little chart we're getting a little theological because John is theological that I think helps us understand what John is doing what what we do with this concept of the word what is the word the word was God is God was with God in the beginning the word is Jesus God expresses who God is most clearly in Jesus And as God takes on flesh in Jesus and shows us what God is like, Scripture reveals to us this record of the revelation of God, both in Israel and in the person of Jesus. It is also the Word, but a Word that is showing us Jesus. And then it is communicated, lived out through proclamation, through the life of the church. Again, the Word creative at work in the world, but going through Scripture that's recording to us the record of Jesus, the center, the Word. Jesus fulfills Scripture. Scripture points to Jesus. God is revealing God's self to humanity through the nation of Israel and the Hebrew Bible and through the person of Jesus in the New Testament. 
the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Why is this important? Well, because the reality is when we want to think about who Jesus is and if we should follow Jesus, we tend to define Jesus and we tend to define God along our own terms. We have a tendency to try to take Jesus and God and say, yeah, they look a lot like, well, me, actually. A recent study was just completed, I saw just this week, where they interviewed people and they asked them two questions. They asked them to define their political leanings. And then they asked them to define Jesus' political leanings. And the Venn diagram between their political leanings and Jesus' political leanings was just a circle. (laughs) Regardless of what they thought politically, they also thought Jesus thought the same thing that they thought, right? Don't we do that? John wants to show us who God is. And God is Jesus. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Jesus shows us what God is like in flesh. And as we seek to know God, follow God, it's important we look to see who really Jesus is. See, because the reality is, like the people in the study, we will try to take what we want and just stick that onto God. Science and sociology is confirming today what Philosophers have been saying for thousands of years we are motivated by our desires, our wants, our instincts, our animal brain, and then we try to make everything else justify that. As one sociologist, Jonathan Haidt, says, our moral thinking is much more like a politician searching for votes than a scientist searching for truth. If we're going to follow Jesus, we need to know who Jesus is, and that is John's task like all the gospel writers. He wants to show us who Jesus is and that we may make this Jesus, the Word, our center. Continuing in that prologue of John, down in verse 14, John writes, And the Word became flesh and lived among us. Eugene Peterson says, And the Word moved into the neighborhood. We have seen his glory, the glory as a father's only son, full of grace and truth. We've had this language, the word is, the word is, the word is, an echo of what we find in the Old Testament, an echo of what we'll see later in John 14. I am this, I am the way, I am, I am, language that comes out of God's own language for God's self. I am, I am, and then the I am become. moves into time and space. The Word became flesh. God comes to us, reveals God's self to us in Jesus, God with us. Fully God, fully human, a mystery. Theologian and writer Gail O'Day says, to become flesh is to know joy and pain and suffering and loss. It is to love, to grieve, to someday to die. The incarnation binds Jesus to the everydayness of human experience when the believing community confesses along with the fourth evangelist John 
that the Word lived among it. It confesses the link between incarnation and its own humanness. The Word to flesh. And then verse 18 of John 1, No one has ever seen God. It is the only Son. Himself God, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made Him known. See, John wants us to see this, that we know God most clearly in the person of Jesus. And so when we engage with the world, in our families, in our lives, in our church, when we think about what God is doing and what God longs to do, we start with Jesus. God is like Jesus. One pastor, Brian Zahn, uh, spent a lot of time in the Gospel of John, and he, and he birthed this kind of confession from the book of John that I find to be helpful. And so I'm going to put it on the screen here, and he says this, God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There was, has never been a time when God was not like Jesus. We haven't always known this. But now we do. Ignore the typo. But now we do. Jesus is the truth. If there is a God that is infinite and beyond human understanding and our ability to measure and grasp this God, how could we ever know God? Unless. Unless that God, beyond all time and space, beyond all human understanding, chose to make God's self known to us. And this is the story of Jesus. The story of Israel, God revealing God's self to a people freed from slavery, led, spoken to through the prophets, a God who now shows us what God is like in Jesus. We follow Jesus because he is the truth. And by that I mean he shows us who God is. We follow Jesus because he is the way. Let's read again John 14, 6 through 7, and we'll read verse 8 this time as well. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you'll know my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Then Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. And we will be satisfied. As we read this passage, we may think that it's simply a statement about getting into heaven someday. And certainly there is the implication that Jesus is saying, yes, his way is the way to life now and forever. But it's not just about some future destination. No, no. When Jesus says, I am the way, in the first century world, the word way was used to talk about a, a way of living, a lifestyle, a way of being, a way that the, the rabbi would go and you would walk in this way. And Jesus says, I am the way. He's saying, walk with me, follow me, watch what I do, let me show you who the Father is. He is the way. Now this verse has been used so many times by Christians to try to make themselves feel superior to others or use it as a bludgeon to other people. That is not what Jesus is doing here. 
We take a verse like this and try to elevate ourselves when he's saying, follow me, the one who lowered himself to live among us. This is not a statement designed to exclude or bemoan others, but to articulate this powerful thing we believe that the way of Jesus shows us who God is. And I love poor Philip. Hears all this and says, okay, but Jesus, can you just show us the Father already? <laughs> you can almost hear Jesus sigh like, what, I, what do you think I've been doing? <laughs> Why well, follow Jesus? He is the light. I want to look finally at Luke 23, verse 30. Uh, sorry, Luke 20, verse 21, verse 23. I'm completely lost. There isn't one of those. Thanks. John says, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. John is telling us why John wrote the book. So you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, there is some disagreement by scholars if, if what John is saying in different translations will translate it differently. Does John say you may continue to believe or you may start to believe? Do you continue to believe? Is this for believers to keep on keeping on? Or is this for people who don't yet believe to be changed and converted and become believers? And I think that ambiguity is there on purpose. I think the answer is yes. That we may be reminded what we believe when it is hard. That when we are discouraged by what other people have said or done or what the church has looked like or the frustrations of the world around us, we can go back to Jesus and continue to believe. And if we have not yet said yes to following Jesus, we may see these stories, these accounts, and may see what God is like and may be so compelled by the beauty of the view that we say yes. Writer Rachel Held Evans said, I'm a Christian still because the story of Jesus is still the story I'm willing to risk being wrong about. It's that good. And for me, when I was wrestling with my faith, particularly in a time in college, I was frustrated and I was angry and I had a friend going through an incredibly difficult period and I thought, I don't know. I don't know if I should keep going. I don't know what to think anymore. I went to the Gospel of John. And I continued to be confronted by this Jesus. A Jesus that is fully God, full of power, always was, always will be, and yet also a Jesus that walks among us, that knows us and suffers with us and cares for us. A God that reveals God's self through huge actions, miracles like raising Lazarus from the dead. And also, in bread and cup. And so this morning, I hope you see that picture and you're confronted by this Jesus. This Jesus 
who shows us what God is like. That God has always been like Jesus. Never a time when God was not like Jesus. We haven't always known this. But now we do. May we live like it's true. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this opportunity to worship and sing, to celebrate, to take communion. Thank you, God, for revealing yourself to us. God, you are beyond our time and our space and our comprehension, and yet you chose to become flesh. And may this view that we have been given, the glory of the Lord, shown to us in the person of Jesus, may it be a view that we want to tell people about. May it shape us. May it stretch us. And when days are hard, and things are difficult, and questions surround, and disappointments are everywhere. May we return to this story, this way, this truth, this life. May we climb to the mountain, and may we know that from here, we can see forever. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.